The following is a hoop ball presentation. Well, the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast is back, but we're taking a different flavor to your eardrums today. Ethan and JC. JC, let's get right down to business. The Lakers lose their first game since the All-Star break. Uh, but the bigger news here is LeBron James is also lost for an indefinite period of time. It is not typical we see LeBron go down only to get back up and ask out of the game. X-ray was negative. MRI confirmed high ankle sprain. Could be two games, could be two weeks, could be a month. But any amount of time the Lakers have to play without both LeBron and AD is going to be a challenge. Yeah, for sure. It's it, it's it's definitely concerning when he's willingly taking himself out of a game. Uh, there's encour- an encouraging sign in that he got up and made a three and made an effort back on defense. But he probably made the decision to go because he, just, cause he wasn't 100%. And so, you know, that's encouraging that he did that. Um, it's also encouraging, like, his, his mindset is probably more focusing on the long term rather than, you know, rec- recognizing it's a regular season. There's there's an excerpt from, I believe it's the book uh, Return of the King, the book about his, uh, his comeback to Cleveland when they won the championship. And uh, there's a section in which that play, I forgot which playoff series, but he sprained his ankle and, the, and Tyron Lue went back and asked him, is he okay? And it was like Maverick Carter, like one of his associates, is like, does he have a choice? And he went back into the game. Uh, now, being in the regular season, he's got a choice, and he seems to have made the right one to just kind of get himself right. It's it's really going to be sort of, I hate this word, but it's going to be interesting, JC, because now you're not even talking about next man up. You're talking about the next several men up. No AD, no LeBron. Obviously still missing Marcus Gasol as well, although that's a much lesser concern. But when you look up and down this roster, J.C., Kyle Kuzma just got a whole lot import, a lot, lot more important. Montrez Harrell, who's been playing well, got a lot more important. Taylor Horton Tucker just got a lot more important. So as we sit here just a handful of days before the trade deadline, J.C., on the one hand, you think the Lakers will explore the trade market because that's what Rob Palenka always does. He always tries to find new avenues to improve this team. On the other hand, the trade assets the Lakers have are sort of key players for the Lakers right now, and it's going to be tough to utilize them in any potential trade. Plus, the Lakers are hard capped. Plus, they don't have a ton of roster flexibility. So I don't see some magic bullet coming in the form of a trade, JC. When you've got a starting five that's led by Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, and potentially Montrez Harrell because Damian Jones is now no longer on the team as well, it's going to get really, really clear what the Lakers can expect over this next handful of games. And keep in mind, JC, as I know you know, the Lakers' schedule doesn't exactly let up in the second half. No, it definitely doesn't. And, yeah, I was disappointed to see that they were just kind of between a rock and a hard place and just couldn't hang on to Damian Jones because he was playing well. They acknowledged he was playing well. Uh, it seems like Kaycock is going to have to step up in, in that role. Marcus Old is still out. The limited minutes I've seen Kaycock play, I've, I've, I've liked what I've seen. He, he seems to be able to replicate what Damian Jones do, did in you know in a smaller aspect. And so I'm not too concerned there other than his lack of experience. And, yeah, I mean, this is going to be, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker is going to grow up really quick. 
Wesley Matthews has been playing well all, all of a sudden, and so that's great. He's going to have to step up more. KCP also. I mean, everybody's going to have to step up more. Schroeder is going to have to really be the guy on this team for a little while. Look, I, I kind of knew the Lakers weren't going to re-sign Damian because it makes some level of sense. So rather than locking him in for the rest of the season and potentially, you know, adding on those years thereafter, right? There is some level of sense to say, hey, we signed him to the two ten days. Let's explore the trade market. Let's explore the buyout market. Let's have as much roster flexibility as possible as we enter this period of time. So I understand that. Of course, you also don't bet on losing LeBron James in what happens to be the same game. Now, if you ask me and you asked me to make a bet on how long LeBron was going to be out, I'd say about two weeks. That's sort of my, my soft guess right now. I do think he will, he will work around the clock to get back. Obviously, we've seen that the dude is a cyborg. He's made from scrap metal that just doesn't break. Uh, and, and he does things on a basketball court when it comes to his health and longevity that we just haven't seen historically. That said, I still go back to LeBron asked out of this game. And even when he made that three following the injury, JC, he clearly did not want to land on that ankle. He's been nursing a sore ankle, I believe the other one, for the majority of this season as well. So he does need to get some rest. Of course, this is not the ideal time with Anthony Davis out of the lineup. But I look at what is likely to be the Lakers starting five, and we'll get our first taste of it, you know, in this in this upcoming game versus Phoenix. But I look at a starting five of Dennis Schroeder, Kentavious Godwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Markeith Morris, and Montrez Harrell and go, well, that's going to be tough to consistently win with. Yeah, I mean, they, they went from a, a place to where they could probably climb up the ladder and maybe compete for that two seed. Now you're looking at can they, can they hold water and at worst be no worse than like a four seed. Uh, if that's going to, if, you know, if it's going to be a pretty lengthy absence for, for LeBron and AD, they've just got to maintain as much as they can, which I, I think is still possible. I think Phoenix is, is playing a little bit uh, above their, their weight class and they'll come down a bit. The Clippers are starting to play really well. And so they'll probably ascend. Um, Portland and Denver could be tricky because CJ McCollum is back for Denver and Jokic is playing well all of a sudden. Uh, and then beyond that, as far as the current playoff picture, you got Spurs and then the Mavericks. I don't think they're going to send too much to worry about. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd say at worst, like absolute worst case scenario, you could see the Lakers fall to like a five seed or maybe a six seed, but not really worse than that. And But yeah, at best, I think they can maintain the three spot. We'll probably end up in the four, though. Of course, the conversation has already started, JC, about how this impacts LeBron's MVP chances because no one else seemingly has anything better to talk about. I find it to be a colossal waste of time. More importantly to me is, though, LeBron was playing a very, very, very important role defensively for this team, especially without AD on the floor. Now you've lost your two best defenders. That is the side of the floor that I am the most concerned about because the Lakers have really been able to hang their hat on that for the majority of the season. You look at the Lakers' schedule over the next two weeks, JC. Let's play out the assumption that LeBron is going to miss at least the next two weeks. It's Phoenix, it's New Orleans, it's Philadelphia, Cleveland, Orlando, Milwaukee, Sacramento, and the Clippers. So that's two, four, six, eight games, JC. Over the next eight games, what will the Lakers' record be if they're playing without LeBron and without AD? Uh, well, Phoenix will be tough. Uh, did you say Utah was in there? No Utah. So okay. we got Phoenix, New Orleans, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Orlando, Milwaukee, Sacramento, and the Clippers. Okay, so Phoenix, Philadelphia, Clippers, and uh, Milwaukee will probably... 
really difficult games to win with without LeBron and AD. And then so luckily in in that mix, there's Sacramento, who's a horrible defensive team, although they did lose to Sacramento before the All Star break. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think if you can come out of that stretch with three wins, that's good. I mean, I think if they go anything, if they go four and four, they got to be happy, right? Through that yeah. eight game stretch. If they go five and three, they got to be absolutely thrilled. Anything better would just be absolutely magical, no pun intended, because the magic are on the schedule. But I think realistically, projecting three and five wouldn't be totally outside of the picture. And in the event that were to happen, JC, let's play out that three and five, right? The Lakers currently sit at 28 and 14, so you'd be looking at 31 and 19 which is not terrible by any stretch, but it's certainly not as impressive as the Lakers had looked coming out of the All-Star break, especially still playing without Anthony Davis. I think for some people, the, there was a natural question or, or sort of a natural question of, well, if LeBron James is going to miss time, does this mean the Lakers will accelerate the Anthony Davis timeline? And I'm in the hard no on that camp, JC, because the worst case, the worst case scenario that could happen for the Lakers is for LeBron to miss two or three weeks, for Anthony Davis to come back a week or two early, only to be unavailable for the rest of the way. Yeah, totally. I, I agree. I don't think they necessarily need to. And, and like I said, if they can come out of that stretch... 31 and 19 isn't too terrible of a record, and that probably still keeps them in that three or four seed. Yeah, and I think that's where the Lakers, they have to continue to prioritize the long term over the short term, as they have been, and as, as, as I'm sure that they will continue to do. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about my bookie. You know, ever since we started this podcast, people always ask us for betting tips. We always get asked, who you got, Lakers or Clippers? You know, for us, it's going to be the Lakers, Rodgers or Mahomes. And I'll tell you what I tell them, where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why we tell people to bet with my bookie. My bookie's rep is rock solid, and they've got the best odds, the best contests, and the best promotions in the business. They're the only place I trust to handle any of my sports-related bets, the one sportsbook guaranteed to give me and you the best lines for the National Championship College football game on January 11th and on every NFL playoff game, not to mention the NBA action. You know me, and you know that I don't give out my stamp of approval easily. So, my bookie, they earned it. And to earn it from me, you've got to be the best at what you do. And my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code HOOPBALL, and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. You put in a thousand, they'll give you 500 free money. So, head on over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games that you bet. Bet with the best, bet with my bookie. That's mybookie.ag. The trade deadline is upcoming, JC. Am I missing something obvious here? Do we really think the Lakers are going to be active on the trade market? I just don't see where the assets come from for them to make an impactful deal that really elevates the ceiling of this team, especially when you look at the deal Milwaukee just made, giving up what they gave up to acquire P.J. Tucker, who I really don't think changes the ceiling of their team at all. I don't think the Lakers are exactly going to find any help on the trade market out of nowhere, especially on the cheap. Yeah, I agree. I think I think they should just focus on the buyout market to see what's available, if anything. I don't think they need to hit the panic button. P.J. Tucker was an interesting case because, yeah, Milwaukee probably found themselves in a position where they feel like they had to make a move like that and they had the assets. Same thing for Trevor Reza in, in, uh, in Oklahoma City and Miami. I, I figure if, if there was a perfect situation for Trevor Reza to go anywhere, 
to be traded. It's Oklahoma City taking some assets and the Myers Leonard piece that Miami just couldn't get wait, wait to get rid of, and the, and, their, and Oklahoma City was just going to dump anyways. So that ended up being a perfect scenario for a trade for Ariza, and and he's a good fit in Miami. So yeah, I don't think, you know, I think the buyout market will still produce some some available players. We still haven't heard a lot of news about Drummond. Still haven't heard a lot about Lamarcus Aldridge or Hassan Whiteside. And then Victor Oladipo still seems to be not bought out, but I mean, there could be a trade in there somewhere for him, but probably not. It's going to be really tough for the Lakers to find any sort of strength on the trade market, like I've been saying, because the assets simply aren't there. If you if if this team were at full strength, I think the they would be more comfortable with the idea of exploring what could Kuzma bring in return, what could THT bring in return, especially if you pair those guys. But right now, I just don't think the Lakers are going to go in that direction. And I'm a, I'm in agreement with you is that they have to lean more toward that buyout market. But that's going to put a lot of stress and a lot of strain on the current Lakers roster. I mean, even in a best-case scenario, right? And I'm talking best-case scenario. You look at that, we'll call it the new temporary starting five. Even if Schroeder starts averaging 20 a game, Okay? Even if KCP finds his offense again and he starts kicking in 10 or 12 a game, that's 32. Let's say Kuzma scores 25. That's 57. You got 20 from Harrell. That's 77. Where is that other offense coming from? Because all those bench players are now in the starting lineup. This is a team that is not very frequently kept under 100 points, JC. I am worried about where the offense could come from because one of the themes we saw from the Lakers, especially prior to the All-Star break, was the stagnant offense. I mean, they were all just standing around waiting for something to happen. Part of me is concerned we're going to see more of that now with Schroeder pounding the rock and trying to find the guy, whether it's him or Kuzma. The other side of me says, well, maybe because they don't have LeBron out there, maybe because they don't have Anthony Davis out there, they will be more bought into that team concept. That's something we have seen, especially from the second unit at times this year. It's like when they don't have their big crutch out there, no pun intended, obviously, with LeBron having that ankle injury and AD having that Achilles injury. When they don't have their crutch out there, they know that it's on them. And those guys who are supplemental otherwise, they have to stay engaged. They have to stay ready. I'm hopeful for guys like KCP, THC, and especially uh, Wes Matthews that that makes a big difference because they're going to need all those guys to be ready from the minute they step on the floor, no matter what their playing time looks like. Yeah, I think I think all those numbers that you penciled in are, are pretty accurate. And so then you've got to figure THT has got to be good for between 12 and 15, if not more points per game during the stretch. I mean, he has to be, right? Because you know you're not going to get a sudden offensive explosion from Alex Caruso, although he will play a little bit more. You're probably not going to get 15 a night from Wes Matthews, and anything else you get off the bench is, is really just bonus. And, and shout out to Jared Dudley, who would be playing in this scenario, but unfortunately even he is not available. So no Dudley, no Gasol, no AD, no LeBron. The Lakers are one of the very few teams who have not had a COVID cancellation or postponement this year, but boy – they would like to run into a few teams that they might be able to postpone those games against. Not that anyone's rooting for COVID, but this roster is not going to have a lot of room for error and a lot of margin for, for victories here because it's going to be a challenge for them to engage on any given night. And beyond just who's immediately on the schedule, JC, the Lakers' schedule itself continues to sort of evolve at a, I don't want to say rapid pace, but at a 
at a, at a rapid pace, for lack of a better term. Again, you're looking at a week here, upcoming, starting tonight with the Suns, where the Lakers play five games between this Sunday and next Sunday. They play Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and next Sunday again. Then they get a cup. Then they get a little bit of a break where they only have a three-game week. I would be surprised if we saw LeBron in any of these upcoming week's games, just because I think that would be just even historical healing by LeBron's perspective, JC. But these next five games, the Lakers, they could easily go, they could go two and three, you figure Cavs and Magic are two games they could win. But man, the Cavs are a team that's given them a little bit of a trouble this season earlier in the year. And you look at games against the Suns, Pelicans, and Sixers, I mean, even without Joel Embiid, the Sixers are still a problem. Yeah, for sure. Cleveland, Cleveland. Well, Cleveland has been playing worse since they've shelved Drummond, and I think Orlando had a really good start to the season, but then lately they're not really going anywhere. And, and Aaron Gordon might be on the move, so that might weaken them a little bit more too. And then, yeah, I mean that 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 two weeks, the five games, and then the three games. That's sort of that stretch that you mentioned, where if they can go three and five, that's probably what's what'll happen. You're probably shooting for four and four out of that stretch, though. And then I think, yeah, that three-game week is probably a good week for LeBron to still keep resting if he's gonna if he's gonna stay out. No doubt about it. But you look beyond that three-game week, JC, and if LeBron and AD are still out of the lineup at that time, you're talking about games that are upcoming versus Toronto, Miami, Brooklyn, the Knicks, the Hornets, the Celtics, the Jazz back to back, the Mavericks back to back. So the Lakers don't exactly get a lot of easy pickings here in the schedule. It's going to tighten up on them as the season moves forward. So if eight, let's call AD's soft deadline April 15th. That would be the game against the Celtics. They'd still be looking at that week playing Toronto, Miami, Brooklyn, and the Knicks without LeBron, without AD. That's a tough stretch for this Lakers team, man. So we're really going to see what this depth is made of. And I think moving forward, it's not really going to impact so much this season in terms of that depth. But I think this stretch will tell us a lot about what the Lakers could look like next year as well as the Lakers continue to remake the roster and mold it around AD and LeBron. I think that will probably be one of my bigger takeaways from this period of time. Yeah, I think it's it's important for to evaluate what, what they've got and where that will leave them in the future. I agree. So as we as we get into this and as the Lakers sort of move forward without their their captain and their co-captain, we call it, what are you looking for? Besides, obviously, we want to see improved production from everybody. What are you looking for for some of these guys who are going to have to play larger roles? And, and I'll give you an example. THT over the last handful of games has really looked like he's been more under control or in control. Earlier in the season, although he had his fair share of impressive moments, no doubt, as we've chronicled, there was a lot of the time where THT looked like he was playing too fast, too out of control, like he was trying to make everything happen at once. That has gotten better over the last few games, and I need that to continue. Does he feel, as a young player, there's sort of a natural inclination for him to maybe feel like he needs to press a little bit more, right? Like he needs to do a little bit more. So I want him to still remain playing the same way despite this expanded role. But I look at guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Markeith Morris in particular because Kyle Kuzma has played a lot better, save for last game because that was a forgettable performance for him. But he has been playing a lot better. But I look at KCP and Markeith Morris in particular. Those two guys basically have to combine for at least 25 points on any given night if the Lakers' offense is going to go anywhere without their two big dogs in the lineup. Yeah, and that's going to be dependent on a lot of the ball movement like we were talking about earlier. Because KCP and Markeith do get a lot of open looks that way when the ball is whipping around. 
Uh, Markeith shoots a lot of baseline threes, and he shoots shoots them at a pretty good clip. So does KCP. KCP's shot chart is a little more all over the place as far as where he likes to shoot. And so, yeah, ideally, if the ball can get can keep moving, it'll generate more open shots. And the Lakers have been good at, at generating open shots throughout the season. That's been one of their strengths. Then there's no doubt. And, you know, one of the things the Lakers did well to start the year that they've had We'll call it some trouble with after their hot start to the year is consistently shooting the three point the three pointer, and without Marcus All available, without AD available. Now Marcus All is not really a, a body in the paint that's going to post up anyway. But without AD available, without LeBron available, the Lakers are going to have to get more of their offense from the perimeter, and that means they're going to have to shoot it better from behind the three. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if that's what they're going to be depending on is is moving the ball around and maybe less pick and rolls, then they've got to be a more accurate shooting team. They have to be. I mean, I again, I look at this depth chart and I say Kuzma really has to step up. Markeith has to hit those corner threes. KCP has to hit those corner threes. Wesley Matthews has to be a consistent player. I feel like that's something we've said all season and, you know, for the last several years of his career. But look, we know, we know when a player is available in the bargain bin, right? When they're available for the mid-level, mini-mid-level, veterans minimum, anything like that, you kind of know that there are going to be some limitations to the game. I have been so impressed by Montrez Harrell. I really think that the Lakers would really benefit themselves, especially during this time, to run as much pick and roll for Trez as humanly possible. Yeah, like yeah, yeah showcase him, let him let him do, do his thing. He's been playing extremely well lately ever since that game versus Denver where... He just didn't get any minutes in the second half. He's been he's been on a tear ever since. I think he wants to prove not only to himself but to the rest of the league that he is more than capable of playing a featured role. And even when Marc Gasol returns, JC, I need to see Trez in that lineup more than I saw him with Gasol available previously because he's a source of offense that this Lakers team just needs right now, and Gasol has not been that for the entirety of the year. If Kyle Kuzma can't average more than 20 points per game during this stretch, Lakers are going to be seriously challenged. I do think this could be the Taylor Horton-Tucker true coming out party that so many people, myself included, have been waiting for. But there is just so much variability in this very volatile mix that it's going to be hard to sort of project out. As the Lakers look to sort of reconstruct their identity without LeBron and AD, I do think all of those guys will be equally important. And hopefully there will be a lot of shared responsibility. And I'm sure that's something Frank Vogel is really harping on in film sessions and any practice time this team can get together. Yeah, Taylor Horton Tucker, since that Golden State win four games ago, he's he's averaging double-digit or close to double-digit field goal attempts. Uh, he's shot more than 10 field goal attempts in two of those games and then the other two he shot nine and so yeah he's, he's averaging exactly 10 field goal attempts per game and that's probably going to increase to like maybe 15 and if he's doing that yeah he's going to be good for anywhere between 15 and 18 points probably they're going to have to get more offense from somewhere they're going to have to get lockdown defense and that effort from pretty much everybody involved in the mix jc if you had to pick a player that you think is really going to step to the forefront and make himself known during the stretch of time it feels like THT is going to be your guy is that fair to say yeah THT and I think we're going to be surprised at how efficiently Alex Caruso can run an offense because lately he's been running as far as like being a floor general he's been doing that efficiently really well he's been running pick and rolls kind of acting as that third point guard between Schroeder and Taylor Horton Tucker 
And so, yeah, I think we'll be pleasant, pleasantly surprised with Alex Caruso's game. Again, I don't think he'll be producing a lot of stats the way he does defensively, but offensively I think we'll be happy with what we see out of him. I hope you're right. My call is going to be for Markeith Morris to be doing a little bit more, not only because the Lakers need his ability to space the floor, but they also have a guy who can score the basketball, and sometimes the threat of scoring is just as important as actually scoring. They're going to need guys on, on the court out there with this B squad in order for the Lakers to continue winning at least some of their games that they have on the immediate schedule. JC, it's going to be a fast and furious week for the Lakers once again. We will come back together to do it again and give an update on where this team stands without LeBron, without AD. Hopefully we get a little bit more information in the interim. Of course, you guys follow us at Hootball Lakers to stay up with the latest show information, Lakers news, and much more. You follow him on Twitter at JCDeLeon1. You follow me at Ethan underscore Noroff. Let's continue to root for the Lake Show from a distance as we watch what this team is capable of doing. Sans LeBron, Sans AD. Is it ideal? No. Is it reality? Yes. And so the season continues in what has been an absolutely weird season to date. Probably the weirdest one we'll see in our lifetimes. It wouldn't be fitting the narrative if it didn't get a little bit weirder. So let's see what this Lakers team is made of. It's good to test the championship resolve early. And hopefully the group emerges that much stronger as a result. Until next time, we out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.